All right, so free agency is wild again on day two. Um, we're going to talk about it today, Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. I am recording this at 3.20 p.m. Eastern Time. So uh, there'll be stuff that happens after this. And this is just a recap of all the shit that happened when I was asleep. Uh, probably do a second show today to do all of the afternoon and nighttime moves. But we'll just uh, get these ones out there now. So let's uh, let's talk about those moves. And we'll talk about some of the things that actually went down after I recorded yesterday's video. And that was late last night with some trades. Now, there's so much complexity with these deals. I'm not going to break down protections and every pick that moves back, but just the, the general essence of these couple of trades that went down last night. The big news there is that Stephen Adams leaves the Oklahoma City Thunder. He goes to the New Orleans Pelicans. He'll be their starting center, replacing Derek Favors. I'm not sure about this fit, to be honest. Next to Zion Williamson, um, spacing concerns. Um, I guess similar to how it was with Favors, although... This team was really good with a favor Zion pairing. I'm not sure how well it works. The Pelicans also give up a first. I think it was the Nuggets first in that pick, as well as a couple of seconds to, to get out of it. And it was all tied in with other things. George Hill left. Um, Darius Miller, they went to the Thunder as well. Adams's value, I imagine he plays more minutes this season than he did last year, just 28 minutes a night last year. He probably gets 30-31 this season. The other options they have are Jackson Hayes, who's not ready, uh, Nicola Melli, who has some big struggles, and Zion will play at the five as well. So it won't be like 35 minutes for Adams, I wouldn't guess, but a couple of extra minutes, and he should be able to put up some solid numbers. But remember, he has limitations in his scoring, his usage, uh, his defensive numbers, and his free throw percentage too. The other trade also involved the Thunder. Who's going to be surprised with that? I can't even keep track of what they're doing, to be honest, at this point. Um, they acquire Trevor Ariza from the Pistons via the Rockets, via the Blazers, and Justin Jackson via the Mavericks. Um, their guard rotation is still a little bit iffy. Uh, I don't know if Ariza is going to be there long term. I would imagine that Al Horford will stay with the, the uh, Thunder for this season. I don't know about Ariza, so how that rotation works, it's still up in the air. Justin Jackson is one of the biggest nothing players in the NBA, so he's not someone to really get too uh, worked up about. Yeah, there's Dorton Basley, who are going to be significantly ahead of him in the rotation and ahead of Ariza if he remains, I would imagine, on this team. Maybe they maybe they get, get wild and start Pokusevsky and start Dort, Basley, and Pokusevsky at the 2, 3, and 4. I think that's probably a stretch, but there are... Some interesting things that the Thunder can do now. And Horford back at center. I reckon there's a real bounce back opportunity for him after the struggles in Philadelphia. Don't be writing him off. He is, uh, look, he won't play 35 minutes. He probably is a 27, 28 night, got, uh, minute a night guy. But there's going to be some more value there for him. The rest of that deal saw James Johnson. Let's hit it.
James Johnson goes to Dallas to really be an enforcer for Luka Doncic and to punch Marcus Morris right in the head after we saw what happened last year in the playoffs with Morris just being his general dickhead self um, and yeah, stepping on Doncic's ankle and all that sort of stuff uh, and all of the fireworks between these two teams. James Johnson will come in and clean house. And this roster still... It is interesting, especially considering the statuses of Chris Stapps and Dwight Powell, who probably won't be ready to start the season. But Johnson likely is going to be a rotation player on this team. Limited minutes and not enough to be a fantasy-relevant player. The other move, which I think is pretty fantasy-relevant, and that, in terms of this trade, is DeLon Wright, heading from Dallas, where he was a really bad fit, to Detroit. Now, Detroit's team, we know, is a mess, and there's lots of things that they can do. Still, because it, it, it the roster doesn't make sense. But the two guards on this team at the moment are DeLon Wright, and, and that's it. Josh Jackson, maybe. Svee Mikhailuk, if they bring him back, which they haven't yet. Um, there's still Killian Hayes and Derek Rose. I don't know if Rose is going to be around, because again, I don't know what the Pistons' aim is. Is the aim here to be terrible, which some people think? Or is the aim to be a top five playoff team, which literally someone mentioned to me yesterday. Now, nah, this team's good. They're going to be top five. Cool. They aren't. But that's uh, that's the confusion. Like, what are they trying to do? At this point, I would imagine that Hayes and Wright start in the backcourt. And then Rose comes and plays his 28 minutes off the bench until he gets traded. DeLon Wright is a player that can hit some threes. You know, volume is, is a bit iffy at sometimes, but sometimes he can be a good shooter. He can pass. He can defend. Um, I think he's going to be, again, given how this roster looks, he's probably going to be in the starting lineup playing 28 to 30 minutes and being a, a standard league fantasy player. There's still a lot of water to go under the bridge because Grant and Griffin and Dumbaya, how are they all fitting? Who out of this, out of their million centers is starting or playing minutes? Uh, is Griffin going to be around? But I think out of all of those moves... The biggest beneficiary here is is clearly DeLon Wright out of the Adams, Jackson, Ariza, Johnson, Wright, Hill, Miller, uh, Septuple. I think that's how many players are involved in that. Wright, to me, is the biggest beneficiary there at this point uh, as he probably can step into a starting role on the Detroit Pistons. Let's have a look at other free agency moves now. Jermichael Green goes to Denver. They lost Jeremy Grant. They lost Mason Plumlee. They're probably going to lose Paul Millsap. That could happen at any time uh, here. Hasn't happened at this stage. So Green can play backup center. He can be their starting power forward, although I imagine that'll be Michael Porter Jr. Uh, I don't think these moves mean that we're getting 25 minutes a night of bowl bowl, as some people have uh, theorized. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. Green will play backup center. He'll play four. He'll probably play 25 minutes a night. He's probably not going to be a standard league guy, but he's going to be a valuable piece as he signs that contract two years uh, two years, $15 million for Jermichael Green with a player option on the back end. Denzel, the Hammer Valentine, goes back to the Bulls. He signs his qualifying offer. No idea why they extended this qualifying offer, but they did. One year, $4.7 million. I don't know who was paying Valentine more than the league minimum. Um, we know Jim Boylan hated him. Maybe there is some room for him here, but his knees aren't great. He can't move that well. He can pass a little bit. He can shoot pretty well, um, but he's not going to be a relevant player. And then Michael Carter-Williams goes back to the Orlando Magic. Two years, $6 million for Carter-Williams, who really rehabilitated his value last season. 
And if he is pushed into larger minutes, he can become a fantasy-relevant player. It's probably not going to happen. But with an opening at the three with John Isaac injured, there are some extra minutes to go around. Now, Cole Anthony's in the mix. James Ennis is back. So there are... um, uh, Dwayne Bacon was just signed. He's probably not going to be an impact guy, but he is at least someone who has provided some solid enough value for this Magic team. Mo Harkless goes to Miami on a one-year $3.6 million deal. They, of course, lose Jay Crowder. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Harkless needs minutes, and he can be a triple-one player. He can be a steal, block, and a three-per-game guy. The three-point percentage varies pretty wildly with Harkless, and he's always going to be an extremely low-usage player. Will they start him, say, at the four next to Bam? Will they go back to the Myers-Leonard scenario? Um... I think in the playoffs, they would like Harkless to be their starter at the four versus having Leonard in there. Um, But again, he's not going to be any sort of high usage player or it'll be an interesting defensive stats stream sort of a guy. Um, And don't be too put off by what he did with the Clippers. He still can put up okay numbers in terms of those defensive numbers, but it's not likely to be any sort of impact role. De'Anthony Melton gets a big payday to stay with Memphis. Four years, $35 million for the restricted free agent. Now, they did just draft Desmond Bain, and they did really limit what Melton did in the bubble, which was pretty curious to me. There is Tyus Jones there still. There's Dylan Brooks, who honestly is not very good. I think this is indicative of how they view Melton, or the front office views Melton. Now, whether the coaching staff views him the same remains to be seen. He's probably not going to be a standard league draftable player, but a steals streamer. But there's still a ton of upside here with Melton, and that commitment uh, shows that to me, that they, they still believe in him as a as a solid bench guard who could start on, on a number of teams, I think. Avery Bradley goes to Miami. Two years, $11.6 million, team option on the second year. You'll see the Dragic deal, the um, Myers-Leonard deal the Avery Bradley deal, all team options. Now, all those Dragic, Leonard, and Bradley deals, they, they can't be traded. They have, they sorry, they have um, no trade clauses in their, in their deals or implicit no trade clauses. So they can't be traded unless they agree to it. Bradley, um, does he start for this team? Um, they were starting, I think this is the end of Kendrick Nunn, to be honest, as a, as a starter. Dragic is back. Do they put Tyler Hero in there? Uh, Butler and Robinson, you'd say they're pinned in at the two and the three. But do we just go with a no point guard lineup and have Jimmy Butler handle the ball? Do you put Hero in there and Bradley comes off the bench? That guard rotation is really interesting now. And I think it's going to, you know, I know none can handle the ball and had some moments last year. But... As much as I don't think Bradley's that good, I think he's better than Kendrick Nunn. So I reckon that might be, it might be a little bit troubling for where his minutes lie and where his value lies for this upcoming season. Speaking of guys whose names sound like Kendrick Nunn, Chris Dunn was signed by the Atlanta Hawks. Two years, $10 million, um, backup one slash two, excellent defensive guard, horrible offensive guard. With the way their roster currently looks, there are weird minutes crunches with Hunter and Herder and Reddish playing the two and the three. The backup point guard role, it could be going to Rajon Rondo, who's definitely leaving the Lakers. So I'm not really sure where Dunn's fitting in. I feel confident in saying he's not going to have the same impact he had in Chicago last season because he's just not going to play those minutes on this team where there is a lot of competition for minutes at the guard spots. He's not going to be a starter as he was for a big chunk of last season with the Bulls. He can be a steals type streamer, but he's just not going to have that same opportunity. And uh, 
Next one is Punchbob. Your mate, Punchbob ship bloke, Bobby Portis, goes to the Milwaukee Bucks. Two years, $7.4 million. They give you out another player option. I don't actually know what this front office is doing. Why they keep giving out player options is beyond me. Portis is not very good, but that is an okay price. He's going to slide in as a backup to Brook Lopez and to Yanni at this point. Um, probably an upgrade over DJ Wilson. Defensively, he's horrendous. Maybe the Bucks system can help him there. He's never going to get the minutes or the usage that makes him any sort of fantasy useful play. Just look what he did with the Knicks last season, and it's probably going to be a worse scenario for him. So I'm not actually sure if it's a win for the uh, for the Bucks to get Portis in. And then they also bring in DJ Augustin, who is 33 years of age. They signed him for three years, $21 million, to take that George Hill role off the bench. Now, he's a good three-point shooter. Uh, he can handle the ball. He's a good backup here to Drew Holiday. So I don't dislike the move entirely. Three years, 21 feels like a little bit too much for DJ. But as a shooter on a contending team with some ball handling, I can't fault it too much. Of course, his value in fantasy is going to be pretty limited. And then Hull Neto goes for a one-year deal to the Wizards. Uh, we don't. I don't know how much that is. I imagine it's just close to a minimum or maybe it's you know, three or four million. It's not going to be much. John Wall has requested a trade from the Wizards. Now, whether that's going to go through or not remains to be seen. Ish Smith is still on the roster, but this pretty much means the Shabazz Napier is not coming back. So, yeah, Neto probably can get some sort of backup role, but it's uh, it's pretty limited. And these are all, you know, small-time type of moves. The next one wasn't because the Charlotte Hornets brought in Gordon Haywood. Four years, $120 million. No sign and trade for the Boston Celtics. So they lose Haywood for nothing. I see so many Celtics fans complaining. Danny Ainge is trash. What's he doing? Like that's the, that is free agency. That's just what happens. Players leave. You're not entitled to compensation back. Are all Celtics fans Essendon fans? Like I'm not sure what's going on here. Yes, you could have maybe worked a sign and trade with Indiana and maybe Ainge was being too stubborn in some of the players he was asking for back with allegedly asking for Miles Turner and TJ Warren. And again, when your player is an unrestricted free agent, you don't really have that bargaining power, Danny. So if that was the case and he missed out on getting at least one of those guys, then he stuffed it up. I don't, much like Detroit, uh, I, I don't know what Charlotte's doing. They you know, tanked. And they got the third pick, although they weren't the third worst team. They should have been you know, looking to get worse and get more young players in. Bringing Haywood in to be their best player, which he is, is intriguing. He'll you know, regain some really good numbers. I think he'll be a top 50, top 40 fantasy guy pretty comfortably. But where does it, what does that make this team? Is eighth seed and ninth seed? I don't understand the plan. And to do it, they had to stretch and wave Nick Batum, who had $27 million left for one season this season. So now he's going to be paid $9 million over the next three seasons. So in effect, Haywood's deal is worth $39 million for each of the next three years and then $30 million in the fourth season. It is way too much. Just embrace the fact that you've got Nick Batum, trade him as an expiring deal, be bad again, get another good draft pick in a great draft, and then go at it again. Just their front office makes mistakes. The Rogier one was a mistake. The drafting of Ball was great. Drafting two centers after that was bad. It is a confusing one. It's great for Haywood's fantasy value. Now, how this rotation looks is curious because you've got Rogier. Well, last year, they started Rogier, Graham, Bridges, Washington, and Zeller. They bring in Ball and Haywood. So two of that seven isn't going to start. Is it Devontae Graham? Is it Terry Rogier? Is it Cody Zeller? And they put PJ Washington at the five. Is it LaMelo Ball? It probably will be to begin the season. Um, 
I know that PJ and Haywood will start. I feel confident with that. But the rest is up in the air. Will Miles Bridges come off the bench? I think ideally what they should do is have Mallow. They should have um, Rogier. As much as I don't like him, he provides some defense at shooting guard. Put uh, Haywood, Bridges at his best position at the four, and Washington at the five. Run Zeller off the bench. Run Graham off the bench. You got the Martin boys there. And then the team's looking a little bit better. And with you know, an opportunity to develop these players. But if we go with Zala starting and then you push Bridges to a bench role and you keep Mallow in a small role, then I don't really see what the point of it is. And I think I could just say that about a lot of these things the Hornets have done over the years. I don't really get the point. I think it's I think it's really good for Gordon Haywood and his fantasy value, though. Fred Van Vliet goes back to Toronto. Four years, $85 million with a player option at the end. I always seem to... Th- Oh, I always thought that Van Vliet would go back to Toronto. He does. No reason his value is going to be really any different to what it was last year. Maybe the minutes come down in this truncated and compressed season, but he's going to be as good as he was, which has an impact, obviously, on guys like Terrence Davis, uh, shipload Terrence Davis, and for guys like Norm Powell, who you know, probably won't get those minutes that they got at, la- at times last season when there were lots of players injured. So just watch that with Norm Powell. And I expect his numbers to come down. Johnny Conchar. Again, the Grizzlies front office continue to make good moves. Good move to get Conchar, who uh, I thought was impressive when he played. Four years, $9 million. Just look, if he plays, he plays. If he doesn't, he doesn't. But it's a good rotation piece to have in there at a cheap price. Um, Again, is he better than Dylan Brooks? Probably not, but maybe not. Maybe he is. Uh, Conchar is not going to be an impact guy. And then the last couple of moves here before we wrap up this little mini show, Jay Crowder goes to Phoenix. Three years, $30 million. Now, Crowder was bad in Memphis. He was good at the start of the playoffs. He was bad at the end of the playoffs. In general, he's been bad over the last three to four seasons with some hot streaks in there. Does this mean that Phoenix will start him over Cam Johnson? Does this mean, and I think what this means is that their number 10 overall pick, Jalen Smith, looks even worse because they're probably not going to be able to play him and Aiton together, even though they should never have. I guess some of the argument was, oh, we'll play Aiton and and Smith together and we'll see how that works. So honestly, they they spent pick 10 on a backup center when your number one pick from two years ago is your starting center. That, That made no sense. Um, does this impact Cam Johnson a little bit? Probably. Will Crowder be a draftable guy? Maybe at the end, but his upside is so very, very low that he's not that same player he was in Boston, and he's incredibly streaky. In fact, sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. That is uh, Jay Crowder in a nutshell. And uh, yeah, like I'm not really sure how good it is. Jeff Green. My name is Jeff. He goes to Brooklyn. Um, likely a one-year minimum deal. He'll play 20 minutes a night. He'll have good games. He'll have bad games. Um, he'll be the backup behind Kevin Durant. It really has an impact on where Tory and Prince fits in this rotation. Uh, Prince, who was pretty bad last season, is unlikely to be any sort of impact player at all this year. But there is still moves coming with Brooklyn. And then the uh, the last one at this point is the Comet, Gary Clark, going back to Orlando. Two years, $4.1 million. Of course, no John Isaac. So Clark could be a rotation guy, but he'd need a lot to go right for him to be any sort of fantasy-relevant player. I'll just have a quick look to see if any other moves have gone down. Um, let's have oh, there's a there's a change here to the uh, Pat Connaughton deal. He has now got three... Originally, it was two years, 8.3 million. Now it's three years, 16 million. Okay. What? The, what? Okay. 
Well, that's uh, that's interesting. Pat Connaughton's not that good. So I don't know why we're investing three years, $16 million into him. The box front office, um, outside of that Drew Holiday trade, is having an absolute stinker at this point. I'll probably be back later on today to uh, recap more deals, but I just thought I'd get this one out there, let you guys know what I thought about those moves that have happened so far. Don't forget to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. Leave a comment down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.